0: the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. And they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. Plus, you can order online, abotanicalcompany.com. They have easy and safe pickup with their drive through window, so it's a very cool experience, and they are here to help you. Artisan Botanicals, abotanicalcompany.com. My weekly Thursday guest is Will Brewer. Happy Thursday, Will Brewer. What is happening, my friend?
1: Man, another week, but this time we got... Fight's coming up, so I'm a little more excited. The NBA playoffs have been great, but I'm really, really excited to have UFC back, man.
0: There was uh there was absolutely a void last weekend. Um but you know what? We Saturday's gonna roll around. Three o'clock hour time, by the way, is when the prelims start on Saturday afternoon. So uh we're going to get started early. We don't have to wait that long when you really look at it, as opposed to like having, you know, one of those six or seven PM prelim starts.
1: Yeah. And then the, the main card doesn't start till nine. And then by the time the main event comes around, unless there's like a whole bunch of finishes, at least in my case, you're kind of struggling to stay awake. So, so you're just kind of hoping that the, that the fight is just really exciting and so that it grabs your attention. So, uh, but now, you know, early start time. So I'll be locked in and ready to go.
0: Jarzinho rosenstrike augusto Sakai no way that that's not going to be just entertaining as can be
1: I mean, I hope so
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hope so man i've heard
0: I've heard a uh, few people this week say like, how did that get a main event?
1: Yeah, you know, I think they were um struggling with this fight card, you know they uh they definitely wanted to put a fight card together. And when you look at all the fights on the card, you know, you have Jarzinho with the name Augusto, who was, who has been in a main event before. So I think this just, just happened to just be the perfect choice for a main event. So, I mean, we'll just roll with
0: it. They're just going to close out, you know, a card after a week off with two heavyweight fights and, and hope that, uh, Hope that you're satisfied, right? You didn't have anything last weekend, so here. Here's two heavyweight fights to close out the card, and uh, you know what? We'll get to the big pay-per-view next week. So, um, look, if you're ever going to... We, we talked about this last week. If you're ever going to make this fight a main event... Do it in a week that uh, you know follows an off week, so everybody's just happy to have it back first and foremost, as opposed to bitching and moaning about what <laughs> fights we're going to watch, and then also have it the week before we're about to have a monster pay per view card. So it, it works out
1: exactly because you you know instead of bitching and complaining, like you said, you know you have something really really exciting to look forward to next week. So I mean, can you really complain about what's happening this week when you've got? uh such a big massive pay yeah. per view to look forward to and then we're and then this whole summer of events is going to be crazy so we can live with the two heavyweight main events uh, i mean and they're they're two, two heavyweight fights so i mean there there could be knockouts you never know but um with with this division with the, how heavy hitting the heavyweight division is i mean i i think it's still uh somewhat exciting
0: yeah yeah for sure um the ultimate fighter has, uh, has come out with a new season. I've not watched the first episode yet. I I don't know about you. I've got it on cue. It'll probably be watched tonight. Actually. Um, I, I, I was kind of thinking about that over the weekend. I was like, why in a week off, why don't you, uh, have episode one of the new tough season on Saturday night to replace the UFC card that we don't have.
1: Yeah, that would have been perfect. That makes all the sense in the world, but I guess, um, when they, when they say they wanted to take a little break from everything, they wanted to take a break from everything and right. come back with tough, come back with this card. So, I mean, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to tough. I haven't watched it either, but you know, just the whole lead up uh, listening to some of the fighters and their stories and stuff. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a really intriguing season.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one, and obviously it also means that we're back on track to resume everything at the top of the uh, 145 weight class, so that'll be nice. I don't know if you caught um, uh, uh, Volkanovski on Rogan's podcast a week or two ago. Uh, I listened to part of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but... Um, Joe basically says, you know, do we have any, any like animosity between you two guys? Like, how did all that go? And for the most part, Volkanovsky was just kind of like, yeah, it was fine. Not really. He was just like, he's kind of fake. Uh, (laughs) like just kind of threw that out casually. Like it almost kind of felt like he was trying to invent some sort of animosity in a way, uh, with the way that he said it. Uh, Brian Ortega has since heard that and he's like, okay. Uh, so so maybe they're inventing a little bit of animosity. I don't know. We'll see as the season unfolds. But uh, that's, that's basically the only takeaway I have at this point uh, based on what I've heard.
1: Yeah, I mean, both of these guys, they're not really the type of fighters that it's going to be like, hey, man, fuck you, you know, you're, you're, a, <laughs> right. you're a dick or whatever, you know? Like, neither one of these guys, like, both of these guys, they want to go out there, they want to fight, they want to prove they're the best. They're not, you know, the, the trash talk type. You know, uh, Volkanovsky's had these two classic fights with Max Holloway, and still he's just complimenting Max every single time that uh, he has an interview, uh, and the same thing with Ortega, you know, um, Ortega doesn't really say much, like when he, when he talks on interviews, you kind of get the the feeling that he's high, uh, he just kind of talks really slow like this, man, and <laughs> so, you know, uh, neither one of these guys really have, you know, that trash talk type uh, in them, but you know, um, it makes for the fight because you know how talented that both these guys are, it makes for the fight to be that much more intriguing. But if there's any type of animosity that can't be tied into this, it's just, it's just gonna make it that much more exciting for the for the casual fans.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think like when you go back through all of the different tough rivalries uh, over the course of this incredible series, I mean it's it's one of those things that has absolutely built some some massive hype around fights. Yeah, you know,
1: um, like when I first got into the sport, like I was watching uh, Rampage and Rashad on uh, on Tough. I was watching uh, Chael and John Jones on Tough. You know, I was watching a, a whole bunch of animosity leading up into these fights, and when one, by the time the fight comes, everyone is just so looking forward to the fight. You know, everyone's like, "Man, did you see how much John hated Chael? Or did you see how Rampage broke the door, and the door didn't even do anything to him? It was just there." So. Um, And then, you know, the fighters that come off of tough, you know, like uh, Usman's a a champion. Uh, You know, Nate Diaz is one of the best. Michael Bisping is a champion that came off of tough. So um, tough just all around. It's just it's just good. And then you see all these fighters locked up in a house. It's kind of like the real world in a way. So um, I I think just all of it, uh, when you really watch it, uh, it's really exciting and you know, I'm glad Tuff's back because for a while there, I think they were just doing it so much that it kind of got a little stale. Yeah. And now you, know, you took a break from it and now you're back and uh, they added a little bit of life to it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you add what Contender Series has brought as far as bringing new blood into the sport. You're not just so dependent on Tuff to to kind of be that outlet. So I, I think that probably, you know, you don't have to try and force the issue with Tuff now that you have Contender Series producing so many quality fighters as well. Or at least that's the yeah. way I kind of view it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and the Contender Series, like, you know, they don't really have, like, much of a build. It's just, like, every week there's just these fighters who are who are just, like, hungry, you know? Yeah. Hungry fighters that you just put out there, and they're fighting for a contract. It's just, like, that do-or-die situation. <laughs> right. And, game uh, seven you know, for every fight. Right. Every single fight is a game seven. Like, it, it's do-or-die. It's so. awesome. So I, I love the contender series, but like the, the fighters are there and then they're gone kind of, right. you know, but, but with tough, you know, you get to really get to know the the guys uh, or the girls, whoever's uh, whatever season it is. You can really get to know them. You really get to see um, how they build throughout the season. And you really sure. kind of know, like this guy's going to be, you know, he's going to be a problem in the UFC or this guy uh, is going to be um, a, a real issue for everyone in the, in that division. So, Um, there's a lot of differences between tough and the contender series, but both of them, Yeah, both of them I love.
0: Well, it's, it just, it personalizes who these people are as opposed to just being, you know, an athlete that you cheer for. It shows you a personal side. Um, my only point was just having the other Avenue, uh, makes it possible to not have to try and just pump out tough season after tough season, after tough season, because you're looking for talent. Now it's, you know, because contender series has been so successful, it kind of allows you to to do with this what it was meant to do. And that's just strictly bring attention as opposed to like trying to just pump all these seasons out so that you're trying to get this influx of talent.
1: Right. Yeah. It was just season after season after season. And, you know, like you said, now with the contender series, uh, you have a a whole load of fighters that you can just put out there. And instead, instead of just putting them all out there on tough, you have a different Avenue. So, Hey, you know, it all works out.
0: Yeah. Twenty nine seasons, by the way. Wow. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I wouldn't I had no yeah, idea. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what season this was until and then I heard it the other day. But yeah, twenty-nine seasons of the Ultimate yeah, that, Fighter.
1: That's crazy, man. Um, like if I if you would have asked me, I probably would have said this probably been about what, eighteen, nineteen seasons, but twenty nine. So yeah. this is number thirty or this is number twenty nine?
0: I think this will be number, this is number 29.
1: Okay, so, man, either way, that's still crazy, Uh, you know, and then just all the, like, all the fights that's come out, all the fighters that have come through it, I mean, it's just amazing, man, that they've uh, ran through it for this long.
0: No doubt. Uh, Speaking of that division, uh, Max Holloway has a dance partner, Will Brewer. Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway is a banger of a fight at 145.
1: Man, you know, I couldn't believe it when I, when I saw this um, on Twitter, man. Like, I was kind of thinking, like, what's Max going to do? I feel like he should take a fight, but then again, I feel like he shouldn't. And then it's just like, where's Yair Rodriguez been? I mean, I, we know he's been suspended, but there's been, like, no kind of lead up. Like, okay, we feel like Yair's just going to fight this guy when he returns. You know, there's been, like, rumblings of Yair and Zabit, but that fight just seems like it's never going to happen. And then you just see Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. And then you just think of the possibilities of that fight, how Max has looked recently. The type of fighter that Yair is, I mean, just the the pairing of those two it has got fireworks written all over it.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a great—I'm glad he's fighting. Like, honestly, what's the point of—you're going to have to sit out for a year. Right? By the time we finally get through this ultimate fighter season and these guys actually get in the octagon and fight each other, then you have to wait, however, I mean, depending on how that fight goes and what ultimately happens in the fight, then you're talking about another uh, wait of who knows how long before you get to get your opportunity again. I, I, I'm glad that he's getting back in the Octagon. I, I think it's the right move. He's one of the biggest stars in the UFC. Um, he's been a champion. He faced Volkanovski back to back times like it's a tough position if you want to get the belt again but like where else are you going to go like it's this is what you do for a living so uh, unfortunately because of the fact that these guys had to postpone the fight and now they're doing the the tough season um, I think Max was in a situation where he had to fight
1: Yeah and it's it's unfortunate because you think about the the fight with Cater and you realize like that fight was in January we're in June now. Right. So, like, and, you know, that fight with Volkanovski and Ortega hasn't even been announced. I mean, we're doing this tough season. Right. So it's just like, when is this fight, uh, when is Volkanovski or Ortega going to happen? And then, like you said, you know, you never know what's going to happen with that fight. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Max is in a situation where he has to fight. But, it, you know, I've always said, you know, it's these types of fights where you're the number one contender and you haven't taken another fight. That These are the fights that are the most dangerous. You know, we've seen what happened with with Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, all those times that he had to fight, being the number one guy, couldn't, could never fight the champion, but, you know, he's taking these fights. Right. Sooner or later, um, he's going to run into a Justin Gaethje who's just, you know, got him that night. So, you know, I feel like this is a very dangerous fight for Max, but, you know, just coming off that fight with Calvin Cater, man, I mean, I, I don't yeah. see um, anyone slowing down Max at this point, but this fight is very, very dangerous.
0: At the same time, you know, father time is undefeated in this sport. Like it's it, father time is going to beat everybody eventually. And when you're Max Holloway, I mean, you just had the most, the most impressive individual performance. I think I've ever seen in the sport in January against Calvin Cater. And we're also talking about a time period where the sport is rapidly growing and it's as popular as it's ever been. And you put on that type of performance in January on ABC in front of millions of eyeballs. Like I, I think the smart move long-term anyway to be able to potentially make more money even outside the octagon is to get Max back in the octagon as soon as possible. Capitalize on the momentum.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, Especially coming off such a performance like, oh, man, that was as efficient uh, that you can ever see someone. Just when Max got started, it was just like he was never going to stop. He was just pouring it on. And Calvin Cater is such a tough, tough guy. And just to see him covered in blood and Max just – just man it was it was crazy just thinking back on it max was going insane on him for five rounds it was just the craziest thing and just to remember how tough that calvin cater was over 25 minutes it it was just crazy to watch but uh yeah man it's it's best for max to take this fight um just knowing that uh volkanovsky and ortega are taking you know their time with the with uh, the fight announcement even then so um July, perfect time uh, for him to get back in there, capitalize on that momentum and uh, take it from there, man.
0: All right, let's talk about one more former UFC champion, and that would be the chosen one, Tyron Woodley. Will, Woodley versus Jake Paul. I got I to be completely honest with you. Very nervous about this fight. Very nervous about this fight.
1: Man, you know, for me, I'm, 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 I'm happy. You know, I, I, I think that this is a, a best case scenario for all parties involved, especially for my guy T-Wood. Um, I think people have this uh, narrative on T-Wood because, you know, of how he was looking at MMA and everything. But right. I think now, I think he's going to get a massive payday. He's going to go in there against a Jake Paul in a boxing match. And we know what type of power he has. Uh, we know that he's going to go in there. He's actually going to train. I like this fight for Two Wood. I think that Two Wood gets it done, man.
0: I hope you're right. It's what we all want to see, right? I mean, that's, that's what the entire world wants to see. That's why Jake Paul will sell out whatever event he's going to do because everybody wants to see him get knocked out. I, I would say that Tyron Woodley at least is capable of knocking him out, whereas I never even entertained the idea of Ben Askren doing anything – to hurt Jake Paul in that fight. Like my whole thing was I, I think Askren's just gonna be super defensive, and best case scenario is it just goes the distance. But Ben Askren was never going to hurt Jake Paul. Tyron Woodley's absolutely capable of hurting Jake Paul if he can hit him. And this is the biggest issue. We we've watched Tyron Woodley get in stand up wars, right? We've seen him stand up and throw. I don't know as far like he has the punching power, like that's obviously there. But as far as just his ability to strike and be accurate, when we're not talking about, you know, having the option to kick and takedowns, and a guy literally knows exactly this small area where you're trying to hit him, I don't know how good I feel about Tyron Woodley in that sort of scenario. Once again, if he connects, damage will be done because Woodley has that kind of power. And you take into account the fact that Jake Paul's going to have a, a reach advantage. Jake, Jake Paul's what, like 6'1", 6'2". Tyron Woodley's 5'9". Jake Paul cuts weight to get to 190. Tyron Woodley walks around at 190. I mean, there's a reason why the Jake Paul camp chose Tyron Woodley. There are some big built-in advantages for Jake Paul in this fight.
1: Right and you know they're all warranted you know Jake Paul he's he's trained he's got he probably has the the sharper technique boxing technique than T-Wood um but I think when you compare this fight like with uh a Ben Askren uh you know Ben Askren wasn't going to move much um I think he was a, a kind of a stationary target Yeah I think T-Wood's going to be able to move a little bit more he's going to be able to um he's going to have that explosion, you know, he's such right. a a really good athlete. I think he's got enough explosion in him where he can catch Jake Paul in a position where he's not expecting it. Um, that's kind of what I'm baking on uh, with this fight. And I, and I just feel like uh, T would be an overall better athlete. He's actually going to get up and train for this. I think he's uh, very motivated by everything that happened, especially when, with the, um, with Jake Paul's corner in the back, when they were uh, wrapping his uh, wrist, uh, all the stuff that, that his boy was saying to him. So, yeah, I think T was going to be motivated. Um, I think that he's going to bring in uh, the absolute best training uh, partners and uh, all the all the connections that he has. He's going to bring in the best. So um, I I feel way better about this than I did about Ben Askren for sure because I definitely feel like Ben Askren was just in it for yeah. the payday, and T Woods actually motivated to actually go out there and try to win the fight. So um, like hope. I can. Like, I never, I'm never going to get this out of my head. Ben Askren on the scale, just looking as happy as can be with his stomach all just way out there, just looking happy, just, yeah, I'm never going to get that out of my head. I feel like, I feel like T-Wood's going to come out there. He's going to be shredded. He's going to be 190. uh, He's going to look massive. So, um, you know, just thinking thinking of it from that perspective, I really like this for T-Wood, but, you know, Jake Paul, he definitely earned my respect. You know, I definitely didn't think that he could, you know, do that to uh, a Ben Askren because you know Ben Askren is very tough. He's earned my respect, but I think um, he's biting off a tad bit more than he can chew. But it's going to be a great fight.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Again, there is at least the threat of danger uh, for Jake Paul in this fight, whereas it, that was non-existent with Ben Askren. So, um, also, how do you feel about uh, Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, and uh, no scoring, no judges scoring? Eight rounds, um, knockouts potential—you know—are in play, but there's no scoring system.
1: Man, uh, this is how I see this fight going. I feel like Logan Paul is going to do really good early. Um, it's going to be similar to the Conor McGregor thing. I think Logan Paul is going to come out early, kind of uh, press Floyd. You know, Floyd's going to be on the defensive like he normally is, um, and the rounds are going to go by like the first probably two or three rounds, and then people are going to be like, oh, yeah. Logan Paul's really got a chance. Logan Paul's this and that. And then I feel like there's going to come a point where Floyd just kind of turns it on and just kind of coasts for the rest of the fight. I don't I don't really see there being a knockout. You know, maybe Floyd can surprise me. I think the size difference kind of puts me where this won't be a, any type of knockout on either yeah. side. But um, I feel like this is going to be a, uh, 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 a situation where Logan looks good early, and then Floyd takes <laughs> over at the end and,
0: you're probably right, and I don't floyd's probably not motivated to get a knockout in this thing, but anything short of a knockout to me is going to be disappointing. I'm just saying like you you claim to be undefeated greatest ever, like anything short of knocking out Logan Paul is super lame
1: I agree, but you know at the same time, I feel like
0: he's not uh, going to do it he's not going to put himself in danger to do it
1: right yeah. he's not going to put himself in danger but and it, I feel like he wants to win he's going he's going to want to win this fight convincingly he's going to want to prove that he's still that guy uh, that Logan Paul ha- doesn't have any reason to be in the in the uh, ring with him. but also I feel like he wants to he's going to give Logan a shot you know I feel like at, at the first couple rounds he's going to yeah. make it where Logan Paul looks good yeah. that way I feel like you know after this fight Logan Paul can still he can say like I did this against the greatest boxer ever and then still be able to sell pay-per-views against someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, he, he can win this dominantly, but I don't care about dominantly. I don't care about watching <laughs> Floyd and Wayweather not get hit for eight rounds. He's fighting right. somebody that's not a fighter. I want to see Floyd actually give damage. Like, we know that you're really good at not getting hit. I don't give a damn about that. Right. If you can't actually deliver some damage to a guy that's literally not a fighter, then it's lame as hell.
1: Yeah. And I, I go back to when uh, Floyd fought, um, he fought, I, I'm not, I'm not going to know his name, but uh, he went overseas and he, uh, he fought like a kickboxer in a, in a boxing match exhibition. And he completely just ragged, like took this guy out. And I think he uh, knocked him out. I I feel like it could be similar to this, but I think the size difference is just going to make it tough for Floyd. Um, because Logan Paul's what he walks around at what, like, what, two, like 190 or something yeah, like that? He's a big crazy. dude, yeah. Yeah, big, big dude, so uh, I, I don't even know if they're um, making weight for this fight or anything, so uh, I think with that, you know, I don't know how much Floyd's going to want to go in there and just actually try to hurt him, but I'm with you. I want to see Floyd dominate him, but, you know, just knowing how Floyd has fought over the course of his career, I just don't think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, it's of course it's not, but you get nothing from me if you don't deliver any damage in this at all. So, uh, but the Floyd Bayweather fans would be like, Oh, he didn't get hit. Yeah. But he didn't get hit. He's, Great. He's still, he's still that guy. Yeah. Against a guy that's not a fighter. Yeah. Uh, against a guy that's not a fighter. all right. You ready to make some picks?
1: Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's all right. Do it.
0: So uh, we're going to rewind two weeks, uh, to the last fight night card where Will Brewer, you went 1 for 5. It was not a solid performance from you last uh two Saturday nights ago.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a a, a Lakers performance uh a game 5 against the Suns. I was kind of, you know, wasn't really there. But uh you know, back to the drawing board and we're we're ready for this one.
0: All right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh so I was able to capitalize. I cut the lead down. You currently on the scoreboard lead 61 points to 56 points. So Five points in your favor going into this fight card on Saturday night. We start in the middleweight division. We have 12-3. and three, Tom Brees against 9-4. and four. Antonio Ahoyo, plus 185 for Antonio, minus 220 for Tom Brees. By the way, Tom Brees is the largest favorite on the main card at minus 220.
1: Well, first of all, let me just say, um, I'm with you whenever I see a Brazilian with the R in it, I'm just automatically going to assume it's, it's an H. It's a yep. H
0: H down. I'm doing no H all the way, pra- yeah.
1: <laughs> no matter who the, the guy or the, guy, the girl is, if there's an R, it's, it's an H for me. <laughs> but with that, um, you know, I think this is uh, Tom Breeze all day. Um, you know, I think Antonio's good. I think he's solid, but um, I think he's, he's lacking in a lot of areas. Uh, he's dangerous for sure, but I think uh, this is a, a Tom Breeze one for sure.
0: Uh, two for two. Tom Brees for me as well. The uh, Again, the biggest favorite on the main card, at least as the odds stand today. Minus 220 for Tom Brees. All right, middleweights. We have Dusko Todorovic at 10-1 and one overall against 9-3. Gregory Rodriguez. <laughs> Gregory Rodriguez making his uh, UFC debut, I believe, in this fight. Todorovic is a minus 194 favorite. Rodriguez plus 165. Man, this one's tough
1: because, you know, there's not a lot out there on uh, Gregory Rodriguez. Um, I've seen uh, Desco fight before, um, but, you know, just just the unknown with Gregory makes me, you know, I kind of want to take a chance and just be like, you know, fuck it. But, you know, yeah. I'm just going to go with what I know and I'm going to pick uh, Desco.
0: Todorovic for me as well. Um, I did see Gregory Rodriguez fight uh, Jordan Williams in the, uh, in contender series last year. So I have seen him. He lost. Uh, He, I guess is uh, he's in LFA. Uh, That's, that's really, I mean, all I know about him, but I at least have seen him fight. So it's not a complete question mark for me, but uh, yeah, I think this is just the difference in, in, uh, you know, an established, UFC fighter versus a guy that's getting a short notice opportunity to make his UFC debut. So if he can capitalize on that, I mean, that's that's what these opportunities are all about. But uh, give me Todorovich as well. All right. This is my favorite fight of the entire card. Prelims, main card, best fight on the card. We have welterweights, Santiago Ponzanibio, 27-4 overall against undefeated Miguel Baeza, 10-0. Will Brewer, my uh, Baeza is a minus 120 favorite, plus 100 for Ponzinibbio.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. This fight uh, is going to be, it's got all the makings of being really, really exciting. Uh, Santiago, uh, before his injuries, he was one of the top welterweights in the world. Uh, He took like, it was like a one or two year layoff. uh, And then he came back against uh, Li Jingliang and uh, got knocked out. Uh, I remember. I think it was both of our five point fighters when yeah. uh, when we were doing the confidence points, and uh, we were both very confident, obviously. And he just went out there and just got knocked out. Yeah. And uh, it was it was shocking because Santiago was, was so good. I mean, there was rumblings of him getting a title shot that yeah. he would have. Uh, he was on a seven wrap.
0: fight win streak.
1: Right, seven fight yeah. win streak, in one of the toughest divisions. You know, he was up there with with the Usmans and the Covingtons, uh, all looking up at uh, Tyron Woodley. And uh, just it was just the worst possible time for him to have that uh, long layoff come. And then he comes back and gets knocked out. Um, so, you know, even if he would have won that fight, you know, he, was, he still could have been right there in the title picture. But now um, now he he's here against Miguel Baiza and Baiza is really, really tough, tough guy, um, a growing prospect, undefeated, um, I don't know, you know, after taking a loss like that, you know, you think he's going to go back to a drawing board and just come back to be the same guy, but I think <sighs> I don't know, man. I I think I'm going to go by easy with this one.
0: Yeah, this is this is tough and and uh I I was I was kind of wondering which direction you would go because I had thought about going the opposite direction, but the more I think about it, um, you know, you talk about a guy that just had had what over two years off before the the knockout uh, back in January, you have this up-and-coming prospect with Baeza that um, I feel like is just going to get incrementally better every time he's inside the octagon. Uh, Baeza a little bit bigger, a little bit more reach advantage. Um, I think this is going to be a fun fight, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm siding with you as well. Miguel Baeza for me. Uh, as much as I, I was tempted to just take the other side because I, I like this matchup, um, I'm going to be smart here and uh, and go with uh, what my gut is telling me. So Miguel Baeza staying undefeated for me. All right, we have another, the third of three middleweight fights on this main card. Roman Delize. Eight and one overall against Loriano Staropoli. Nine and three overall. Staropoli is a minus one hundred and fifty favorite. Plus one thirty for Deledze.
1: Whoo! Um, this one, this one, I went back and forth on. Um, I've, I've, I know I've watched both of them fight. Uh, I've seen a Staropoli lose um, a few times, but. Um, Roman, uh, I think he's only lost one. You said he was eight and one, correct? Eight and
0: one. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, uh, man, this one's tough. I Both guys are
0: coming off of losses, by the way.
1: Yeah. So I know Star Starpoli uh, is the favorite, but you know, I kind of like, I kind of like Roman in this one.
0: All right. Very nice. Um, so Roman lost to Trevin Giles uh, back in March, and Staropoli lost to Tim Means, I believe. Let me pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah, Tim Means back in uh, August of last year. So both guys um, feeling the urgency of getting back in the win column. Um, I will be honest with you. I was I was totally prepared, especially if we hadn't had any disagreements to this point, to go opposite. So sure, sure. I'll take Staropoli for, for the sake of... Being on the other side of the fence for this one. So we have our first head to head matchup, Dalize and Staropoli. All right, our co main event heavyweights. We have Walt Harris, 13 and 9 overall, against Marcin Tabura, 21 and 6 overall. Tabura is a minus 155 favorite, plus 124 for Walt Harris.
1: Look, so um, this one's tough because Walt Harris. Is, is good but he's been fighting some of the best uh in the heavyweight division and he's just been coming up short he's beaten a, a lot of guys to get to that point um and then he's, he's he's fighting some of the best heavyweights in the world and he's been coming up short and then tybor is kind of on the other side he's kind of coming up uh i believe he's won four or five in a row he looked really good against greg hardy and uh i forget who he fought in his last fight but i remember he looked really good in that one as well ben rothwell Ben Rothwell. Yes. Um, he looked really good in that one as well. Um, I think this is a perfect crossroads fight for both of them, but I think, uh, I think Tybor is really good, man. I think he's, uh, on his way up. Uh, Walt Harris, uh, he's solid, but I think Tybor has just got more ways to win. So I'm going to pick uh Tybor in this one.
0: Very nice. Um, that's a good pick. I, and I agree. I, I think he is, uh, ascending, For sure. Um, I'm going to go Walt Harris. I'm going to take the other side of this. Um, I was tempted to go Tabura as well. I I think a couple things at play for me here. Number one, Walt Harris dealing with a lot of stuff outside the octagon that I I feel like at this point, he's probably got to be in a much better headspace than he was, uh, you know, when, when we've seen him last. And again, you mentioned it, the level of competition. Like this guy elevated himself to start fighting these upper tier guys in the heavyweight division and that's not an easy task and while I think Tabura is ascending there is absolutely you know somewhat of a equal playing field here than than what Walt Harris has been facing so I think just as far as like the the physical ability of the man standing across from him in this match is nowhere near what we've seen in the past so um, I'm going to take the gamble on Walt Harris here bouncing back in a big way.
1: Let me just say this about, uh, Walt Harris, he was on his way up, he was ascending. And right before his first main event, um, his world came crashing down. Right. I mean, uh, we're not even going to get into, uh, what he was dealing with outside the octagon, but uh, his world came crashing down right before his first main event, the pandemic happened. Uh, and then, uh, one of the, one of the first fights back, uh, he was in the main event against Oberyn and he just uh, went in there and, uh, all the stuff that he had to deal with, I felt like it was kind of soon. And then, of course, when you're on that way up and you get, suffer a loss, you want to get right back in there and fight someone else. And then I just feel like it was all too soon. I think he he's finally took take some time off, and now um, he's on a um, he's in a good headspace. But I just yeah. think uh, Tybor is has just um, got more ways to win.
0: Yeah, uh, de- I I definitely agree that Tabura is uh, more well rounded uh, overall. I just Walt Harris, I think, is going to be the physical specimen in this matchup. And that wasn't the case against Alistair Overeem. Certainly wasn't the case against Volkov. And you add the, again, you add the, the mental side of, of those matchups and, and, you know, just everything he was dealing with, I think. Um, just a tough stretch for Walt Harris. So um, I, I, you're right. This is a massive crossroads fight. Um, I, I think that uh, Walt Harris just feels significantly less pressure than he felt in, in those last two matchups. So all right, we uh we are on the opposite side of the last two, which takes us to our main event. Staying in the heavyweight division. D- Jar- Jarzinho Rosenstrike, 11 and 2 overall against Augusto Sakai, 15 2 and 1 overall. Both of these guys coming off of L's will, uh despite being top 10 heavyweights, <clears throat> minus 140 favorite for Sakai, plus 120 for Rosenstrike.
1: Man, uh, this one's tough as well. Um, you know, Jarzinho was on such a a upward trajectory before he fought, um, And then of course, you know, he got that big knockout, but there's, there was a lot of holes that was, um, uh, discovered in that, in that fight. And then, you know, he fought Francis and then, uh, surreal gone. He got that win against uh, JDS who's older and everything, but, um, I think when you really force Jarzino to use his skills, I think he really uh, struggles. You know, he's got knockout power, of course, but um, when you force him to use his skills, um, he struggles. So, um, I think and I think Sakai is really good, but you know, I think uh, with Overeem that the experience factor kicked in. Um, Overeem has been there, done that against the best in the world. So, uh, you know, and that was Sakai's first main event. He's still very young in the sport. Um, you know, with that all being said, man, uh, I think both of these guys. Uh, I think it's going to be a stand-up war. Um, I think Jarzino definitely needs to go out there and uh, and actually fight instead of just uh, lay back like he did like he did against Surreal. Uh, if he if he does attack, I think he's got a chance. But uh, I kind of like Sakai in this one, so I'm gonna go uh, against right. Sakai.
0: I like it. Um, I I think that Sakai is definitely the more well-rounded guy. Again, like like the conversation we just had in the last fight. I think the same is true of Sakai in this fight where I, I believe he's more well-rounded. Um, but I, I, again I think some of the same logic I think applies to Rosenstrike in this situation. You're going from what he's just faced to a guy that while I'm not trying to say Sakai's a scrub by any means, but he's certainly <laughs> a tier below Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghan, right? I mean, this is a uh, those guys are next level heavyweights and I think you're you're just facing a guy that that, uh, probably doesn't strike the same kind of fear that those guys did. Uh, You add to that the fact that he's lost two in a row, and the last one was in such disastrous fashion as far as being a complete snooze fest. Like, that's the one thing as a heavyweight you can't be, right? You can't be a boring heavyweight. Um it's, it, you know, that's just not the division because basically everybody knocks everybody out in that division. That's not the division to be boring. So when you take into account this guy that was an up-and-comer that, you know, a, a year ago at this time, Will, we're talking about, you know, before the, the Nganu fight, maybe this guy's in line to be a, t- a champion. To lose two in a row and then to just, you know, have the snooze fest that he had, I think you get a completely different-looking fighter in this thing. I think you get a guy that... Senses urgency, and you get a guy that is going to do everything in his power to just go out and brawl, right? He's not going to allow this to be a boring fight. If this becomes a fight where these guys are having big exchanges, I don't see a way that Rosenstrike doesn't win. Because if they're trading, Rosenstrike, I feel like, is going to be the beneficiary of that situation. So, uh, because of that, because I believe he's going to force the action um, and and try to make a point of, I'm not the guy you saw against Gone. I'm gonna take Rosenstrike.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a good pick. Um, I just wonder, um, with the way he lost against Shrill with the way he lost against Francis, if those losses start to really pile up in his mind, it could be um that he comes out and it is extremely motivated, or he uh, overthinks yeah. it, kind of like he did against Shrill Ghan, overthinks it and uh kind of becomes boring. But um you know, I, I like Sakai. I think um, just the uh, the experience of Overeem kind of just overtook him, but I really like what he brings to the table. But, you know, this fight could go either way. Um, yeah. Like, this fight's really, really close. I don't see, like, a really clear advantage um, either way, but, you know, I'm just going to – I'm rolling with Sakai.
0: Yeah, I, it's a good pick. He's the favorite for a reason, right? I mean, I think he's uh, – like we said, I th- he's the more well-rounded guy, and I, I definitely believe there are more paths for him to win. Uh, than than Rosenstrike, who is you know I mean he's he's a knockout guy. That's that's, that's no shame in it. You're a heavyweight. That's what's expected of you. Yeah. That's that's also the reason why I think you see him fight with more urgency this time around because like I, he's gonna hear this all week. But a lot of people don't like this as a main event anyway. Like we started this show kind of laughing about like. Rosenstrike' Sakai is a main event. Uh, and and I think when you he's hearing not only these guys don't deserve to be a main event, but you're putting this guy that like refused to fight for twenty five minutes the last time he was in there in a main event, like how do how do you parlay that into a main event appearance? like i I think those are things that will motivate you to be much more active.
1: Oh, yeah, agreed because I remember after after that fight, when we had when we talked about it, like we were so disappointed in how Rosenstrike fought. Uh, just no sense of urgency, even when yeah. you're down three rounds to zero. Right. Uh, just, just knowing the type of fighter that he is, that he, uh, that he was uh, even before that fight. Um, and then just to go out there against Cyril and just kind of just lay back and let Cyril just have his way. And Cyril and gave him uh, tons of respect in that fight. You know, Cyril just was uh, piecing him up from, from distance. But he knew not to get inside because he knows how, how dangerous that Jarzino is. And uh, you know, Jorginho just didn't take any chances. But you know, I think in this fight he will take chances. But yeah, oh, man, it's, it's it's really close, man. I'm, I, don't make me try
0: to go back on. my No, pick. no, no. You're you're locked in. We're on the opposite <laughs> okay. side of this one, man. You're locked in. Right now, now I'm um, like, dang. <laughs> I I also think that there's something to be said for just the physical freak that Francis Ngannou is, and the physical freak that Surreal Gon is. Like those two guys are extremely unique in this heavyweight division as far as size, power, and speed, right? Like, the, there's not a lot of guys in the heavyweight division that have all of those things. Um, Sakai is not as big as those guys, certainly not as quick and fast as those guys. Now, is he, he's still a very dangerous guy. You cannot take him for granted at all, but he's not going to be on you as fast. He's not going to beat you to the punch most of the time, and he's not going to you know, it's not like Rosenstrike's small, but he's not going to dwarf you either from a size standpoint. So, you know, again, I think there are just some built-in advantages here that that were clearly not there the last two times around.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely can agree with that because like Francis, the power that that's in that man, <laughs> it is just incredible. And then uh Shrill uh, Ghan, you know, he's he's big, ripped. Uh, but he's also got the ability to move. Yeah, he's quick, like you said, and he's got tons of, of skill. So I agree. You know, um, he's seen uh, better versions of what Sakai can bring to the table. Um, but you know, Sakai went in there against a, an experienced guy like Overeem, uh, held his own. But you know, you could just see that there was just uh, a, a, a very, very clear advantage, just in the experience. And then right. uh, Overeem knew where to take the fight and everything. So. I think that uh, experience helps Sakai just like the losses helped uh, Jarzinho. So I think we're in for uh, for a treat Saturday.
0: It's going to be a fun card, and we'll rewind one week from tonight, and we will be breaking down the next pay per view, which is a it is loaded. What a pay per view that's going to be ten days from or nine days from now.
1: It you know it it's kind of creeping up on you. Uh, I saw yeah. Um, I, I saw a post that that said it was going to be nine days. When I'm just like, wow, already! Like, and then you see like the the, the big fights: uh, Nate and Leon Edwards in a, a five-round fight. You know, uh, Moreno rematch, Adesanya Vitoria rematch. Like, uh, Paul Craig and Jamal Hill, and you know that, that fight's going to be crazy. That's a and great then, fight. Uh, uh, Damian Maya and uh, Bilal Muhammad. Like, this this fight card is loaded. Even the prelims. Uh, Drew,
0: and, Drew Dober, Brad Riddell, Eric Anders, Darren Stewart, Lauren Murphy, Joanne Calderwood, um, Evloev and Duwedu.
1: Big, big implications on that uh, on that Lauren Murphy and uh, Joanne yeah. Calderwood fight. Whoever wins that could be next line for a title shot. Brad Riddell, Drew Dober. You know the lightweight division is so loaded that these guys kind of get that oh, these guys kind of get overlooked. This is going to be a fun fight. Uh, Eric Anders, Darren Stewart, that fight, um, happened already, but we knew uh, that that it had all the makers of being really, really exciting, but it unfortunately ended the way it did. Now we get to see him back in there. So, um, I think this whole card from start to finish, is going to be great.
0: Yeah. It's going to be an awesome night. Hopefully Saturday, uh, sets us up. Obviously we have uh, ultimate fighter episodes to catch up on at this point. So, uh, we should be shot out of a cannon into next week, but, uh, Five-point lead for you, my friend, with five total points available on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, you know, hopefully we don't uh, come back to the show and the score is tied. Um,
0: I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, that would be best-case scenario, <laughs> and you still get to pick first because your lead hasn't been overtaken.
1: Yeah, and, but then I, I do have a question for you. Are we, are we doing three points for Leon Nate since it's a five-rounder?
0: I think if it's a five-rounder, it deserves three points.
1: Three points. Okay. So a lot of points to, uh,
0: to be had,
1: um, next week too. So
0: man, it could go. There's, I, I feel like there's zero chance that we're going to be on the opposite side of that fight though. So true that true that. Yeah. yeah. So it could be worth three or one or 50 and, uh, I don't think anybody's getting an advi- Yeah. I don't think anybody's getting an advantage there, but yeah, <laughs> it'll and look better the on the scorecard prize. though. When you get three points for the win
1: absolutely even though you got three points as well <laughs> there you go there you go
0: all right my friend i will uh, catch you over the weekend have a good weekend he is will brewer i am colby daniels and we will talk to you next time
1: have a good one my brother peace
0: that is it for this episode of the colby daniels podcast presented by artisan botanicals in midwest city check out their line of natural medicine products including kratom cbd or delta 8 if you're looking for something to help with pain anxiety or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. And they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. They also have a website you can order online. It's very easy. They have a pickup window. So it's safe and efficient, abotanicalcompany.com. That's abotanicalcompany.com, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. cast is over